0: Words for the Wise with Deshaun Williams.
1: This week on Words for the Wise, I will be speaking with preacher motivational speaker victor Carcado, as we talk about what led him to become a motivational speaker and how he got to playing the congos but we also talk about the mindset so stay tuned because we about to get started My name is Deshaun Williams, as always, I'm your host for Words for the Wise, and today we have Mr. Victor Cocado on with us. We're going to be talking about how he became a motivational speaker and a public speaker also. So how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on the show. I really do appreciate this opportunity, man.
1: Hey, It's, it's great to even to have you on the show. Um so tell the listeners a little bit about yourself if you
0: don't mind Sure Oh not at all man not at all Um yeah my name is uh like he said earlier Victor Kirkado and um I'm a motivational speaker um and I'm also a preacher as well Um as a matter of fact I I began preaching and then got into speaking um we, I mean, you know, those two are pretty much intertwined. Um, and so, yeah, so I do that. I'm also a conga player. So I play congas and, and minor percussion. Um, so I've been doing that since 1999. And I've been blessed to, you know, play all around New England, uh, played down in Florida uh, with different bands and, had, you know, have had a good experience with that. Uh, and I'm also a martial artist. I am a black belt in Taekwondo and I've uh, been doing martial arts since '96. And, uh, you know, I've done martial arts with um, many awesome, awesome people. Um, even, you know, at one point I was in a tournament circuit. Uh, if y'all, you know, any of your fans out there are uh UFC fans, uh, I was actually in a tournament circuit with Matt Sarah when Matt Sarah was Purple Belt in Jiu Jitsu. And it's funny because then he kind of disappeared on us and we're like, hey, where'd Matt go? And then we see him walking in to fight uh DSP for the title. I was like, oh, that's what he's been up to. <laughs> um, you know, so I've I've had a a lot of exposure to a lot of great people in everything that I've done and so I've been I've been blessed. I've been blessed and um so you know that's just a little bit about myself. I still I still actively do martial arts and I still actively play congas and uh, I'm still actively doing uh speaking. So uh yeah that's just a little little rundown of me since ninety six. <laughs> oh yeah. So
1: yeah, this is the part where I yeah. um gonna kinda make you feel like when people say, "Oh, you're making me feel old." So I was actually born in '98. Oh no way! Yes. So yeah, you
0: feel a little old.
1: <laughs> I was actually born in '98. So when you was talking about '96, I was like, "Oh, okay." But oh, um.
0: Wow! So you were born when I was a senior in high school. Oof. That's crazy. Well, you know what? I need to, wow. That's, uh, whoo. All right. Hey, you're only as old as you feel, right? So I just, I'm just going to tell, I feel young. I feel young. I feel young.
1: (laughs) Hey, I'm, I'm not even going to trip. Like one time I got asked, like, how old are you? I was like 18. I was like, Oh, hold on. I'm 22. I'm 22. But yeah, I forgot my age for a minute, but Along with all those, um, you are possibly our next presidential candidate for 2024.
0: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I did not think that that got out to anybody (laughs) because what it was, it it really was started kind of uh, as a joke because, you know, with all the... um, I mean, with just the political atmosphere and how it is right now in the in the United States uh, and with everything going on, it seems like, you know, there's there's a lack of just coming together in unity and truly going beyond our offenses to be able to talk about the issues that matter. Um, and, and what I've seen was that there's so many different times that we will speak to each other about different issues. But once someone gets offended within that conversation, it's like they put up their walls and, and then the conversation can go sour real quick. And I am just like, man, why can't we just, you know, uh, have just somebody that can truly look at all sides of the issues and, and not get offended about it, you know, and just truly take an objective view and, and really start to think, okay, why do these people feel this way? Why, uh, you know, where can I find some common ground so we can have a dialogue without all the, you know, nonsense of, of what I would say is rhetorical offenses and um, or, Rhetoric offenses, actually not rhetorical, rhetoric offenses. And uh, so one of my friends was like, well, maybe you should run for president, you know, as kind of a joke. And, you know, I kind of, I kind of ran with it and I kind of made a uh, GoFundMe uh, for a campaign for 2024. And it actually got good feedback. (laughs) And I was like, whoa. And, you know, I, I have people coming on, uh, you know, my IM on Facebook going, hey, you got my vote. Hey, you got my support. Hey, are you really doing this? This is like, oh, okay. It's You guys really want me to.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, so, when you posted that, like, when I opened up Facebook, it was the first thing that I saw. And I was like, oh, okay. So he's running for president in 2024. It's like... All right. Yeah. And then I was like, let's see how far he goes with it. Because some people talk about it and they won't act on it. Then I I read it. Then I scrolled down and uh I was like, oh, he got to go find me. Like, oh, okay." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, he definitely got my vote.
0: Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And, and yeah, so it's, you know, it's something that, um, I was like, well, why not? Let's see, let's see where it goes. So I started researching how to get on the ballot and, um, you know, how to put my name out there. And, uh, it's actually not that difficult. It's a lot easier. Not that it's not difficult. It's a lot easier than I thought to get on the ballot It's the campaigning that is so expensive and, and, and the advertising and. You know, just doing the the campaign, uh, grassroots, and all the things that you got to do when you're running for any type of office. Um, so I'm like, wow, that's um, that's gonna be some work. But uh, but you never know, you never know. Uh, you know, the last, well, actually, since I was younger, I've always believed that any American has the potential and ability to run for any office that they want if they really want to. Um, and, and truly, you know, one of the things that I love about the United States here is that if you really work hard at anything, you can really accomplish what you set your mind to, um, and it, and it's difficult, it takes work, but it can happen for you. And it's funny because this story actually coincides with the story on how I became a conga player. Because back in the day, um, uh, you know, back uh, back when I was your age, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, back in the day, like I would say 95, because all right, a little backdrop. I grew up with all talented musicians, like all my friends were really good musicians, like uh, my friend Ruben just killed it on the guitar. He's still an awesome guitar player um you know my friend joe was an amazing bass player i had a friend isaiah who's like my brother and and all these guys are like my brother i should say um amazing on the drums um my uh cousin its to me he's a cousin because i've known him since he was like really young um his name's jesse caravaggio he actually plays for mark anthony and jennifer lopez he's their percussion their, their percussionist um so i grew up with really talented musicians and man, I wanted to be a musician so bad. I tried to pick up the bass, you know, and he, my friend Joel tried teaching me, man, I failed on my face. Like it was, it was, it was bad. I tried learning the guitar, my friend Ruben. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll teach you. All right, fine. Could not get it. I could, I could not for the life of me. I could not bend my fingers in, and, and get those chords that I needed to get. Um, then on the drums, I never really picked it up, uh, because I found out that playing the drums, I'm a lefty and all the drums are made for righties. Um, and so, and by that point, I was really frustrated that I failed at any other instrument. (laughs) So my buddy, Joel just said, you know what, Vic, you've tried everything. Maybe you should just try congas and see what happens. But he said it as like a joke, as like, a you know, like, I'm sorry, I wish you had musical talent type thing. But I took it seriously. And I'm like, all right, you know, I went and got like these cheap CP. And if anyone's listening who's a musician knows that CP is like the bottom of the barrel when it comes to congas and conga quality. And man, I just started teaching myself, buying videos. Going out, my first video that I bought, I still remember it was a Richie Gajate video that I got and uh, VHS, yeah, VHS. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's my generation right there, man. The, v- the VHS generation, um, we helped this whole transition from uh, so from VHS to uh, DVD to now Blu ray and now the 4K coming, but anyways. So I got the VHS of Richie Gajate and, and I, man, I just started going to town. I literally bled on practicing on these congas because the CP congas, they're really cheap. And after a while, you get your fingers, you start to get blisters. And, you know, they started bleeding, but I just played through it. I'm like, well, whatever. They'll callous when they'll callous. Um, and then I just took it so serious. And I was so determined to succeed because I had failed at all the other instruments that like two years into it, I finally began to, you know, get the groove and get started in my blisters, uh, callus. So, you know, like I got, you know, really, really strong fingers now because of it. Um, and then I started getting my groove and my flow and the rest is history. Then I, I kept practicing. I got better and um, started playing live uh, gigs with different bands. And, um, you know, I'm still still doing it to this day. But all that to say is that it was all started just like this whole presidential thing got started. Kind of like as a joke, like, yeah, man, you know, you should, why not? You know, like everyone else is doing it. Why don't you? And, um, so then I just did it. And I, I literally, i w I've been amazed at the, at the support.
1: (laughs) So, so, with the support that you got during, got during that, um, how did that lead to you becoming a, like, how did that catapult you into becoming a public speaker?
0: That story actually with the, with public speaking that began, it actually, for me, it began in church and it began when I was 12 years old. And, um, you know, I, I went to a Pentecost. I grew up in a, Spanish Pentecostal church, uh, in the assemblies of God and the pastor there, I suppose he saw potential in me. And so one time at, you know, 12 years old, he came to me and he said, listen, I want you to uh, give a sermon on Friday service. And he would not take no for an answer. So man, I was so scared. I was like, what, wait, what? <laughs> like, you want me to give a. So, like, I didn't even know how to put anything together. You know, I, I was just, um, you know, just a, a preteen. So I went ahead and because he gave me no way out, I guess that was a good thing because sometimes you got to get rid of options in life in order to focus on that one thing that you can develop and get really good at. Um, so that's kind of why he did for me when it came to that, and man, I, I mean, I think that sermon lasted maybe five minutes, if that, um, but it got me to go up on the on the um, podium. And I, when I started speaking, when I started hitting certain key points in the message, I started seeing how people started to react and i was like oh man like i was still scared to death but i still remember to this day thinking this is cool and then as i you know would would say another point and would get some more reaction from the crowd i'm like man I, i'm like i'm really digging this like this is this is really really cool um so finally after that experience uh the pastor came to me and asked me if I wanted to continue, I said, sure, I'll I'll continue. So I started doing that first through all my preteen and teen years. I would go and uh, give different sermons at the church. And then in my later years, he began exposing me to other churches in the area, and the community where I lived at. And at that point, I was living up in New England. So he started giving me a lot of exposure around Massachusetts and... Um, New Hampshire was another one. Um, And so I started speaking in different crowds. And what that gave me the opportunity to do is really understand how different people react in different places and the different things that people relate to in different places as well. So I took note of that as well. Um, Then as I got older, I kind of just left the whole speaking thing. Uh, to concentrate on martial arts and music, but I never really forgot about it. And I kept training myself in the backdrop, which I believe is really important when you're when you've got a talent and, and you've got something that's a potential inside of you, that it is in those times when people are not watching, when you are not in the spotlight, it is those times where you are actually developed, and and those times are those times that we need to take advantage to develop and grow as a person. Because um, a lot a lot of people will have potential, but they don't want to develop it unless they're like in the limelight doing it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and, and sometimes it's in the, is in the places where no one's looking, where you're on your own, where you're kind of in the backdrop of life, where you got to grind and you got to work at it and you got to develop and grow. And, and so that's what I did for a few years. And then in 2005, I believe in 2005, I was invited to go on a uh, mission trip to Mexico as an interpreter. So, of course, I took the opportunity and that kind of reignited me speaking uh, when I went down to Mexico and they actually had me go and speak at a at a church down there in, um, in Laredo, Laredo, Mexico. And it was, you know, it was such a great experience. And because I had been, um, you know, developing in the backdrop, I was ready for that opportunity when it came up again. And, you know, I thank God for that. And I was very blessed with that opportunity. And that's to say that a lot of times you have to prepare yourself before the opportunity comes so that you're ready when opportunity knocks. Um, Because it's it's very, I would say to me, it's very disappointing when I see so many people that they refuse and they don't want to develop because they're not, you know, famous or they're not where they want to be. But then when opportunity comes and knocks at their door, they open it, but then they realize they're not ready to walk through it because they haven't been doing the things that they need to do to grow. Um, So I was really, you know, really blessed with that opportunity that as I prepared, then when that opportunity came, I was ready to just walk through it, walk right through it. And so that kind of reignited me, you know, speaking and, and getting out there. And um, and, and so an- another thing, too, that I that that is a motivator for me about public speaking is that you don't need a big stage to be a public speaker. Like you can be a public speaker where you're at in your community um, to just people around you. You know what I mean? Uh, Because at the end of the day, public speaking is just communicating a message to people. And and that's something that I've always kept in mind, that every interaction that I have with people, I see it as a public speaking engagement, if you would. You know, how can I, when I I speak to this person, how can I add value to this person's life? How can this person get, um, what can this person get? When I interact from the, with them from me. Like, what is it that I have to offer in conversation that can make another person feel better, can encourage another person, can inspire another person? And we're in continual communication with people, like, all day long. If you really start to track how many people you, you, tr- you come in contact with on a day-to-day basis, I think a lot of us would be surprised you know, at how many people you come across. And so public speaking is a, is just about getting a message across to a group of people. And you don't need a stage for that. You can do it at your work. You know, uh, if you develop your skills in public speaking, when your boss or someone asks you, hey, could you talk at this meeting? Then you're not caught off guard, you know, or when somebody says, hey, could you say something at a wedding? then you can be confident, get up and say something at the wedding. It's just, it's so much more than just kind of like the Tony Robinson, get up and, hey, everybody, how many of you are ready to make a change? And the crowd goes wild. And, you know, that's part of it, but it's not all of it. it and, and, you know, when so when people think of public speaking, what I like to encourage people and how I like to encourage them it's not to think of it as just like you being in this grand stage with thousands listening to you. That's part of it. That's an aspect of it. But at its core is just getting a message across to a group of people successfully. And it could be two or three people or it could be a thousand people. You know what I mean? Yes, sir.
1: Because like this podcast it like it can fall under public speaking while you're not actually seeing who's listening. You know that there are people listening.
0: Oh, exactly. Most definitely. And, and as a matter of fact, when you're, you know, like I'm talking to you right now and and we're having a conversation or uh, a dialogue here um, and I don't see you, but you're still there. You know, and so with, with podcasting is this is is exactly that, even though you can't see just because you can't see the people doesn't mean they're not there listening. And, you know, that, you know, we take that into an account when we do a podcast. So when we podcast, we kind of start thinking, OK, how do I want to communicate or how would I communicate this message if the person was right in front of me? And. Visualization is so powerful, Um, and we're pretty much on this planet that is confirmed of the only ones that can actually visualize ourselves doing something outside of ourselves. So you can visualize, even if you're in a room, for example, you can literally close your eyes and visualize yourself at the top corner of the room whether it's the right corner, or left corner, it doesn't matter. And you can literally visualize yourself looking back down at yourself as you're standing in the room. Like, it's amazing how powerful visualization is. And so it's the same when when you're thinking about public speaking and something that will make you successful if you're really interested and in, in looking into pursuing public speaking. Uh, something that helps is visualizing yourself where you want to be, and how you would get your message across in your desired state, in your desired spot where you want to be. And then you start working on that today. And so in, in podcasting, I visualize okay, I'll pretend there's a person in front of me or hundreds of persons in front of me. And then I ask myself, how would I, in in a live, like if I was there live and, and I had eyeballs looking at me and I was looking at them, how would I want to get this message across to them if I was speaking to them face to face? And that really, that visualization has really helped me out as far as podcasting is concerned, because you're right. You don't see the eyeballs looking at you. You don't see the crowd reacting to you you don't see the, the people reacting to you and, and sometimes it could be tempting to think that maybe you're not going to be effective that maybe they're not going to listen that maybe you know all those things are temptations that come through your mind and my mind as far as podcasting is concerned where you're like oh, does this really matter like is there anyone really even listening you know like all those things kind of pop into your head Um, and you just kind of just have to press through that and remind yourself that, yes, there are people listening uh, and there are people that are like real life people, you know, real human beings on the other side, listening to this message. Um, And and you keep that visualization in mind and then you don't fall into those. uh, I, I guess I would say personally, I would call them pity parties where you're like, Oh, woe is me. No one wants to listen to me, you know, and you look at your analytics and they're a little low than you expected. And you're like, wow, why am I doing it? You know, you don't fall into that as long as you keep that visualization in mind and you don't fall into the whole out of sight, out of mind mindset. Right.
1: Right. Um, Cause like me and you, we both have, like, we have several things in common. So, um, if I'm not mistaken, you're also a podcast host
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, uh, I'm trying to, like, I've taken my podcast and I've tried to do everything I could mm-hmm. to expand it so that, um, so that I can, how can I say this? Um, so I can build up on my YouTube channel that I started well before I ever started podcasting, but just kind of let mm-hmm. drop off. But yeah. also, um, when I go out in public, so one step that I took was the schools that I went to, including the one that I graduated from. I went back in with an outline of what I want to talk about while. Three out of the four, because our our primary school said no, elementary school said yes, but right around the time that it was supposed to happen, um, coronavirus struck. So <laughs> uh, I was supposed to have a speaking engagement in April, and hmm. as we know, like everything shut down, we don't know when schools are going to open back up. So. I have to wait for the schools to open back up so that I can get a a set date and everything. But also with that, uh, the principal, who was the guidance counselor when I went to the elementary school, she told me, she said, not only do I want you to come in and speak to the students, she said, I want you to mentor the students that... um, that I feel like they have, like, she said, every student has potential. She said, but Uh some of them don't see the potential that they have. And I want you to sit down, talk to them about how you didn't see that potential when you were younger, but how it, um, how you were able to finally see it. So she wants him to kind of not only speak, but come in and be a mentor and a coach to the younger students.
0: That is so cool. And, and the thing is, when you do that, it goes beyond like the present and you're actually really sowing seeds into the future at that point. Um, you know, because these kids, are uh, these kids are going to grow up and they're going to become adults. And so right now they're in the most impressionable time of their life. Um, So you, you coming in and being a coach and mentoring, you're doing like so much more than, than, you know, even just speaking and and making, uh, making them feel good, but you're also sowing seeds and you're also mentoring their future. And because you're mentoring their future, you're also mentoring. This is how powerful this is. You're also mentoring the future of this society. Like, You're going to have an impact, uh, on the future generation of, of how this society thinks because of what and who, you know, because of what you do and who you're going to be mentoring. And, uh, and I think that age range is one of the most impressionable age range that you're going to go to and, and mentor, um, So always keep in the back of your mind that this is also like a lot bigger than you um, because you don't know who is going to take that seriously and and how that seed is going to grow and how that seed is going to develop. But it it will um, because all seeds develop. And one person, I mean, one person can have – a profound impact on all of society so you can potentially have impact on the future of this society because of what you're going to be doing today in that setting you know what i mean
1: yes sir and like like, how you said earlier was like so many people they And they see the opportunity, but they're not prepared for it. So when she hit me with that, I was like, okay, I have no idea what I'm walking into. Yeah, (laughs) How do I prepare for this? And so when I got home and like, because we met back in December. So ever since December, I was like, okay, I need to, I don't know exactly what I'm walking into, but I have to be ready. I have to expect the unexpected because I never know what might come at me. I don't know what might be said towards me, so I have to be ready to expect the unexpected and be able to keep my composure.
0: Oh, exactly. And what, um, like what age group specifically did they give you? Like a specific grade, or are you gonna just gonna do like the whole, um, like various grades or?
1: It will be um, third grade to fifth grade.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's I mean, that's such a such a great um, age age group right there um, to to impact. Um, and, and like I said, man, when you go and do that, just keep always keep that in mind that it's like this is this can potentially affect all of the United States and like what, maybe 10 to 15 years when they become like late teens into young adults. Um, And it also, and it affects today and, you know, how they see, if you have a, a positive impact on people, what I find is that positive impact will lead out into those people's surroundings too. So if you can truly, this is the one thing that I love about public speaking And communication in general, when you interact with another person and you encourage and inspire another person and you truly go out there because you really care about people and you love people and you want to see the best for people, um, that will bleed out into their own personal lives. So, for example, if there's a kid that's having issues at home and then they see like a mentor in you and they cling to that and they cling to your positivity and they cling to your encouragement and inspiration, they're going to start shifting their behavior at home. So you can even potentially be impacting a family, you know, directly through these children as well. Um, Cause I know personally, you know, I'm like, what, 30, yeah, I'm 39 years old. I'm going to be 40 this year. Oh, I can't believe that. And, uh, and when I was younger, I remember when I was younger, um, I remember, you know, being a hothead. And I remember giving my uh, mom a hard time sometimes. But I also remember that when somebody took their time and truly poured into me, I was a totally different kid when I got home. Like, I would do the dishes without nobody asking me. I would, you know, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And, you know, my mom would be like, what, what? (laughs) okay, where'd my son go? (laughs) Like, (laughs) uh, you know, who's this kid that's in my house? (laughs) Um, And and so that's the impact that you have when you actually reach the youth and reach the younger generations. And, And here's, with public speaking, a lot of times it's almost okay. I can, because we can relate to all this. I can relate it to like, campaigning right when you're campaigning when you want to run for an office you don't try to go and get like the huge cnn interview and try to fight and crawl your way through all the other people that are running that already have an established audience right because it's going to be super hard for you to do and it's going to cost a lot of money like you you know if you try calling the fox and 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 trying to get that big gig right Um, you're going to have a hard time convincing the, those producers that don't know you that, you know, you don't even have an established audience to let you campaign on their networks. It's just, it's not going to happen. So what do you do? You go to the communities and you start grassroots campaigns. You start knocking door to door. You start getting your uh, name out there. You start letting people know you exist, and that's the, That's pretty much how you begin with public speaking. Is you have to let people know that you even exist, and you have to let them know what you're about and how you are of value to their life? How how do you add value? How does somebody listening to you um, come out better on the other side after they listen to you? Um, because at the end of the day, that's what people are after. They're after value. They're after quality. They're after something real. You know, there's a lot of fakeness out there in this world. And I'm, you know, I don't have to preach this to anybody. That's kind of like preaching to the choir. Um, There's a lot of fakeness out there in the world right now. So people will cling to something that is true, something that is quality and something that is just real. Um, And so when you begin, for example, you're now beginning to go out there and speak with these kids. Well, you're establishing an audience and now these kids will let their parents know who you are right? As you pour into them. Um, the, the people at the school, the teachers, they'll start to know who you are. You know, you'll become some sort of topic of conversation when they go home. And then that opens the doors to other things. Then, you know, like word spread really fast. That's one thing I've learned. The w- word spread really quickly. Um, and so once you start getting yourself out there, and you really start reaching out and just speaking to pretty much whoever would listen (laughs) to you, that's how you start to build that audience. And it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, it does take time. You know, the one thing that I'm always, you know, I'm always online. um, And as far, especially with podcasting, because again, like we've already established podcasting is like a public speaking engagement. You're just doing it over the airwaves instead of doing it live. And one of the things that I see that I'm like, yep, they're not going to make it. Yep, they're not going to make it. That they ask on different podcast groups is, how can I make money? Like, have you come across that?
1: So at what point do we start getting sponsorships? And yeah 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 <laughs> while it's while exactly. good, good and all like i don't personally i don't do the podcast like i had the sponsorships on but then like i took them out because i was like well when people listen to anchor i realized that like the average attention span for people is like 30 minutes so oh yeah break down the segments and then put, uh, put music in that you can know uh, that you really can only hear on anchor, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's like, get something to grab them back. But if I don't use the anchor sponsorship, then I can put in my own like advertisement and stuff like that.
0: Oh, exactly. And but, but you've seen that though, right? Everyone's like asking how you make money podcasting, right? How do you get the sponsorships? How do you get this and that? You know, and, and when I hear that, I'm like, and when I hear that, of course, when I read that, I'm thinking, yeah, they're not going to make it. They're not going to make it. They're not going to make it. Because like, if you get into this just for money's sake, it will not last because it, it will you run into the risk of just being fake and just trying to put something out there just because you want like audience and you want the numbers and you want the numbers. Um, and I always go back to the Joe Rogan story when he's, he's considered the father of podcasting. And when Joe started podcasting, but I think it was back in like 2010, I believe um, don't quote me on that guys. I could be wrong by the way. <laughs> but I think it was around 2010 and uh, nobody believed in him. Everyone thought that this podcasting thing was never going to get off the ground, that he was just, you know, like, Joe, what are you doing, man? You're wasting your time with that podcasting stuff. There's already talk radio. There's already regular radio. Like, I'm sure we don't need more radio. It's kind of how people looked at it back in those days. And he podcasted for, I think, four years, if I'm not mistaken. Four years, absolutely free. Did not get paid a dime for his podcasting for four years. Um, And and he, and and look at, and think about it this way he had the audience already. He had the audience already because he did Fear Factor. Um, And he was a, a host on Fear Factor. So it's not like he was an unknown, like people knew who Joe was and still took him four years to even start seeing any income from it. Um, So the point I'm making is that if you get into public speaking because of anything other than wanting to see people's lives transformed, encouraged, and wanting to do it for the benefit of your audience to get something of value, you're just not going to last. Because it's something that at the very beginning, and when I mean beginning, I'm talking about months to years. I mean, there's really little money to be made of it. Um, so you have to be in it for the for the love of the game. You really have to be in it for the love of the game. And you really have to love people and want to do it so that your audience gets something of value, that something that will make them a better person, something that they can grasp on, that they can relate to. And then as you do that, then what happens is You start building an audience organically. So, yeah, you might not grow like, you know, have two million people listen to you in your first six months. But those people that are listening to you, that begin listening to you, they're going to stick with you and they're going to like, you know, they're going to support you and they're going to spread the word. And then the people that they refer that start listening to you, they're going to support you. And they're going to so so then you start building an organic audience little by little that is there because they want to be there and not, you know, the the worst thing that can happen for I think in any career, but especially with public speaking is for you to become a one hit wonder where you go up really quickly and then you get too excited. You start just putting stuff out there and the quality starts coming down and then, then people start realizing that, hey, wait a minute. And then you just fall down on your face and then nobody, you know, you kind of just go into the darkness again. Um, Because that is not only detrimental for your public speaking career, it's also detrimental for you as a human being, um, because it's hard. It's hard when you you go up really quickly and then you crash. That's really hard to take psychologically and, and mentally for a lot of people. Right, and,
1: right. and I, I'm pretty sure that you saw sure this also. In um, podcasting groups, they'd be like, uh, how can I promote my podcast? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're in a group full of podcasters and you want to promote your... like. I get that you want to promote it, but if you promote it, if everybody comes together and start just dropping links, trying to promote it, it's going to get cluttered. Uh, yeah. But also, like you said, uh, you gained an organic um, audience from people mm-hmm. referring your podcast and everything. So I actually have a friend of mine. Um, she's listened to my podcast before and I was on Facebook one day and there's one of my Facebook friends is like, I'm looking for new podcasts to listen to uh, any good recommendations. I didn't know about the post until like, I got a notification saying that uh I was tapped in the comment. Well, my friend tapped yeah. me in this comment saying, well, Deshaun Williams got a good podcast. I would suggest, uh, I would recommend you listen to it. Uh, and so I hopped on and I was like, thank you. And I was like, if you need to know the name of it, it's Words for the Wives.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, Don't know if she listened to it. and But at the same time, it's like, wow, somebody is like somebody's actually out there listening to my podcast. But not just that, but somebody messaged me on Facebook the other day. They was like, "How do you come up with this great content?" Because I, the episode that I dropped, uh, not last Thursday, but the Thursday before, because I do it on the every two week schedule now instead of every week because of my work schedule. Sure. It was, um, it talked about like relationships, um, striving for your goals, breakups and stuff like that. And I was like deep life, deep life lessons that a lot of the, m- my generation don't pay attention to anymore because they feel yeah. like it's the old school way and that it doesn't matter anymore, which is wrong. Like one thing that I said is like, you when you're in a relationship, you can't be talking to somebody else. And like one of them asked me, like she asked me, she said, how did you come up with this good content? She was like, because I struggle with coming up with content. And so like that led me to um, get with another podcaster. Um, I want to say, I hope I say his last name correctly. Oh, uh, <laughs> Johnny, an-, an anomaly, I think is how you pronounce it.
0: Oh, uh, oh, SB the anomaly.
1: Um, well, he um he got a podcast called Creative Coping.
0: Oh, okay, no, he's not the guy I'm thinking of then.
1: Um, but I've been on his open mic night on Instagram for the like the past two times that he's had it. I did hmm. poetry and then I did motivate like I gave out some motivation last night. But I reached out to him like, hey, if I was to host an Instagram live to talk about how to start up your podcast so that um, people that are interested would know what they need to do of how to get started, or if they already started, how to get it off the ground, would you be interested in joining in? I was like, because you've been podcasting longer than I have. And he was like. Yeah, I would be more than happy to. And I was like, okay, cool. So we actually got an Instagram live coming up this uh, this coming Saturday. Um nice. Like, and I was like, okay. And with this, with our episode, uh, with this current episode that we're doing right now, it's gonna be released after that. But so like, it's gonna be on my podcast um, Instagram page on the Instagram what is it? Instagram movie or something like that. I think it's what it's called. Oh, IGTV is what it's going to be on. So that's but one of the first things that people have to realize is yeah, podcasting is public speaking but at the same time, Mm -hmm. like in order to grasp their attention, especially on a podcast, you got to have, like, your podcast picture has to, um, uh, it has to grab their attention. Like, it, for the longest, my podcast picture was me. And it, it did not have the name of the podcast or nothing. Oh um, yeah. But, like, you can't have a, you can't have a podcast picture of yourself with your tongue sticking out and it's like because when people see that it's like oh they not serious yeah but also with that like you got to know like with me with certain topics that I've spoke on it's like i've had to research because while yeah I suffer from depression, I don't know everything that comes with depression. So I have to do research, I have, have to give credit where credit is due. I can't mm-hmm. take that credit when it's not my information. And yep. you got to make sure that you speak clearly. That's with any speaking engagements. Like when you speak clearly, it's when your audience is going to listen to you. And like when she sent me the link to her podcast, I wasn't being rude or nothing, but I was like, I'm not gonna lie. I literally turned off your podcast before the first minute because I couldn't make out what you were saying like mm-hmm. is get like you might need a microphone with the pop filter instead of just hooking up your one of the one of the worst things I found out is using your earbuds with the microphone.
0: Oh my god,
1: yeah. It does not work because it feeds back into it and it does not come out clear. I was like, Okay, you have like you have to go out, you got you're gonna have to buy a mic, you're gonna have to get a pop filter, you're gonna have to get a whole lot of stuff. Me, I actually carry my mic around now. I'm currently Uh looking for a um a body mic that um which I don't know if you use, but like a lot of the uh, preachers use in the pool pit now. Yep. That way I don't have to it like, if I'm somewhere where I can't just pull out this whole big old microphone and hook it up I can just <laughs> get this body mic, hook it up and just talk instead of having to worry about setting it up every time. So correct, yeah. I was like so you have, it was like but that's gonna cost two to three hundred dollars. I was like, "Yeah, but if you want that good quality content and you want that audience,
0: uh-huh. you're
1: gonna have to. You got this. You're gonna have to spend that money in order to get people to actually take your podcast serious. You're gonna have to change some stuff about yourself. You're gonna have to change stuff that you post, like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm actually an opportunity. Where, um, where you might see on Facebook, I'll talk about cash flow. Um, Yeah, and most of it isn't about like creating multiple streams of income. It's like I had to learn. Like people actually came to my Facebook to see what I was talking about. Like, is this the same person? this person that's on this podcast, how is he outside of the podcast? So when yeah. I realized that uh, and people would message me like, hey, I, I like you. Like, I enjoy listening to your podcast. Um, but what's different between you being on your podcast today and you in actual life? It's like, oh, so they watch him watching. So let me clean mm-hmm. up my Facebook and let me see... Be- <laughs> I got to generate the same energy on my social media that I have that I am on this podcast, which most Uh people be like, "Oh well," most people don't don't look at Snapchat. No, but I ran for school office two years in a row, yeah. So I have to keep everything clean. Do I get angry? Do I get angry and frustrated at times? Yes, but I have to remember that everything that everything bad leads to leads to something good like you can't have a rainbow without the rain and like that's what i tell people it's like so many people want the rainbow but they don't want to go through the storm that leads them to it and it's like if you don't have the storm then how do you expect to get to what god has created for you on the other side like god knows what you're gonna go through before you ever go through it. Mhm. And they're like, I understand that, but why me? It's like because what you're what you're going through is gonna catapult you to something much more greater than what you have now and something much more greater than what you than just you. And like that took me I'm twenty two, that took me um Fifteen years, roughly, for me to learn because I I used like how you said earlier, like you have been a uh, like having a temper, like oh yeah, <laughs> me back like me back in elementary school. You knew me back like this is what I tell people, and people think I'm joking. You knew me back in like in my element, my primary to um um my. my elementary school to primary to high school then you have to reintroduce yourself to me because I'm not the same person and the person that you knew back then is not the person that I am now
0: yeah well and that's I think that's for I mean that's for all of us and and you know one of the things that And that's that's a great message right there within itself, Um, you know, like you can you can use that and just so many lessons that you can put out there, you know, not just for your generation, but for all generations, really, um, that we we change as time goes on and you have to depending on where you want to go, you have to accept that there's going to be work involved. Because, listen, many times when I hear um, people that they, they want to do something and they just, you know, oh, I want to do it so bad. But then you start, you know, going in like, OK, yeah, you're going to have to buy yourself a $200 mic. Yeah, you're going to have to get maybe some soundproofing going on or maybe you'll have to, you know. And then you start telling them or giving them a pathway on the things that they need to do to be successful, then they see that as like adversity. Um, so the issue I find with many, many people is they equate work with adversity. And that's a mindset that like so many of us have to get away from because just because something takes work, it doesn't make that work bad. Like it's not it's not a bad thing for you to spend $200 investing on yourself. Um, you know, and, and so I had, to, I even had to learn this lesson too, where I would spend, you know, and it's funny cause if you, if, if I can get somebody to just show me how they're spending their money in a 24 hour period, I can tell you exactly what that person values. I can exactly to the T what they value because you'll put money towards what you value. Um, And if you value consuming over investing, then you're going to consume more than you invest because that's what you're valuing, you know, instead of, um, investing in yourself and, you know, getting that online course, that's going to propel you to the next level. You'll spend it on a $700 television set. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and so, you know, I always say, show me where your money goes and I'll show you what you value. Um, and so a lot of times we need to get rid of this notion that investing is bad and that work is bad. Work is a good thing. Um, work is something that actually keeps us motivated, keeps us focused, keeps us going towards something. Um and yeah, there's going to be inconveniences that happen because if if I'm going to be honest, okay? I, I'm not going I can't speak for anyone else. But if I'm going to be honest myself and I'm going to put myself on the spot right here right now many of the things that I said was a struggle were not struggles at all looking back at them I was just pitching a fit because it was inconvenient it was inconveniencing me it was a, it was more of an inconvenience it was more of like a frustration more than it was like a real struggle and then I I, I really began to shift my mindset versus work versus struggle okay because work is not a struggle and a struggle is something that happens that is kind of you know like out of your control for example losing a job out of nowhere because you get laid off or the company goes under or whatever that case may be well now that's a struggle you know that, that was, that's that's something that's like okay what am i gonna do now like that's something unexpected um you know, you get a bad report from the doctor. That's a struggle. You know, that's something out of your control, something unexpected. Um, So aside from that, I've had to learn and retrain my brain because you know what it is, man, when I grew up, and I'm sure when you grew up, it was the same mindset as well. The mindset that was deposited in me as I was growing up, and I'm not Disclaimer, I'm not knocking the people that raised me at all. They were just giving me information to the best of their knowledge, according to the experiences they've had. But the way that I grew up was around people telling me, I got to go to work again. It's Monday again. Got to go get this slavehood going. Here we go. Working again, you know. Let me go make this other person rich and while I struggle and make ends meet. And and so that was what was ingrained in me and and taught subconsciously and sometimes consciously by other people. So by the time I became a teenager, I always saw work as a struggle. So work to me, when you said the word work, it was like a bad word, you know? Like all of a sudden I'm equating work with struggling. I'm equating work with uh, slavehood. I'm equating work with oppression. Um, and and so what happens is not only do I uh, keep or, or, or not only did I was was I miserable while I was working, not just for somebody else, this is this is the the I guess the flip side of the same coin. Not only was I miserable working for somebody else, right? But I found myself being miserable even when I was working towards things that were going to benefit me. And that's when one day I caught myself and I'm like, "Wait a minute, I got to I got to get out of this mindset that work equals oppression." Because work is not oppressive work is within itself actually something redemptive something that you can actually as a tool that you use to get ahead in life to truly you know get to where you want to be get you know just get to where in your heart you know you deserve to be but that takes work and if you view work as a as oppression then I mean, you you're really gonna have a hard time making it in anything because everything is gonna take work. Whether it's for somebody, else, whether you're working in a company for somebody else, or whether you're working for yourself, you have to put your hands to the plow, and man, you gotta drive it and not look back. But while you're plowing, you know it's very detrimental. For, your, for you as a in your spirit and your soul to be complaining about the plow the whole time. you know what I'm saying? right so so now you're living a, a measure you're like you're just really being miserable in your existence uh, because work will consume most of our time and most of our days and again, whether you're doing it for yourself or whether you're doing it for somebody else um, work is gonna consume a big chunk of your days. Um, And can you imagine if you just if you're really equating work with oppression and you're feeling oppressed all day long and like the only time that you find relief within yourself is like, you know, the one day maybe that you have off. I mean, that's that's just a really, really bad existence to have, in my opinion. And uh, and it's something that if you just do a simple mindset switch. And know that, wait a minute, work is not bad. Work is a tool that I use to get from point A to point B, just like driving a car. Then you can get up on Monday and you could be like, all right, let's do this. It is time. It is like, you know, it is a good day. It is good to get out there and go to work on on my passions, on my dreams, and and, and on developing and on growth. And, you know, let's do it, man. Tuesday, come on, Tuesday. Hump day, no problem. Thursday, not thirsty today. I got work to do. Friday, let's do this. Let's let's work it. Let's work it. Um, And you get that mentality where work is not an oppressive tool, but it's a liberating tool. You will just get to the next level in whatever it is that you want to succeed at because then the joy of the work comes into play. Then you're happy. Then you're out there. You're, you're not complaining all the time. You're not like, woe is me all the time. And why can't things happen faster and blah, blah, blah. No, because you're enjoying the process. You know, one of the things that I talk about a lot, and by the way, you can cut me off too if I go on a rant. <laughs> um, one of the things that I, that I always tell people is enjoy the process. Enjoy the process because the process will take up the bulk of the time. So- you know, it would be really sad, in my opinion, to uh, begin something spent like say you spent 20 years developing it and then you finally get happy after the end of the 20 years. But then during the 20 years, you're complaining and you're miserable the whole way up. So then you just literally wasted 20 years of your life complaining through the process. And so, you know, you're going to wait 20 years to get to where you want to be to finally find enjoyment and finally be happy. I'm like, no way. You know, I'm I'm going to enjoy it it it. today. I'm going to enjoy that process today. And, and as you enjoy the process, man, I mean, it'll just really revolutionize and give you a new sense of energy. Like it'll energize you when you embrace the process. And when you go out there and you're like, you know what? Yes, it's work. Yes. It takes time but it's worth it. And I'm going to find joy in it. I'm telling you it, it, to me, it has really revolutionized the way that I look at life, the way that I live at life and the way that I work through the process as well.
1: Right. And like, um, what I was to find out was that people want the success, but they don't want to put in that work that leads to that mm-hmm. success.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then, like I said, a lot of times it's because they they view work as oppressive. And yeah, if you view something as oppressive, you're going to run away from it. You're not going to want to have any anything to do with it. So because it's human nature in your mind, because here's the thing about the mind. The mind doesn't care whether what you're feeding it is true in real life or not. It's going to react to whatever you're feeding it. So if you're feeding it that work is oppression, it's going to do anything to get away from it. Because that's just human nature, you know, if you if you start thinking that you are in danger and I challenge anybody to like try this, really start thinking that you're in danger, right? There's someone coming at you with a knife or there's someone coming to yell at you or and you start thinking that like really perceiving that you're going to find that your heart rate is going to start to go up. Your blood is going to start to boil. Your ears might even get red. Even if in reality that is not happening, but you're thinking it because the mind doesn't care whether it's happening in reality or not. It'll react to whatever you put into it. So that that's another thing with people is they, they, we, okay we as people assume too much and we we make way too many hypotheticals on what can and cannot happen so like and you and i hear this all the time well i'm not going to work at this because you know i'm not going to be successful at it or the industry is already flooded like how many public speakers are there out there a ton how many podcasters are there a ton so it's really easy for somebody to look at all that and say well you know i'm not even going to start because look there's already like a gazillion podcasters there's always like a gazillion public speakers so what why am i going to do how, how am i going to fit into that whole sea of of professionals and people and, and and so then that stops us from going for it but the thing is who who told us this is what i this is what i asked myself right i asked myself okay victor who told you that you could not be successful. What made you come up with that conclusion? And then I found that it's just hypotheticals that I put in my own way that has, that is based on no reality and there's no evidence to back it up. It's just me seeing, you know, the Goliath and going, well, he's too big. So I'm not even going to try fighting him, Like, why, why wouldn't you even try finding him? Because, well, because I'm going to lose. Because, look, he's huge. Well, how do you know that you're going to, you know what I mean? Like, how do you know you're going to fail? How do you know you're going to lose if if you don't even try, regardless of how it looks like? And, and you know, we put all these hypotheticals on, on why we can't be successful. And, and as long as we do that, we're just not going to be successful. Um, and I think we need to shift into – a hypothetical that says what if we can be successful what if we can succeed at this what if we got a shot at this you know um and, and get away from that negative mindset and i really don't know where it came from and how it developed you know in in our way of thinking in society um but if we can start thinking well what if i succeed What if I make it and try and and put hypotheticals that are conducive to our own success and and assume that we will be successful? I mean, that's just that's that's the beginning and pretty much the end. If you can get on that mindset, you will not be afraid to try and go for pretty much anything that you want to try and go for.
1: Right. Um, Well, remember how when we when i first got on um uh, i said you never expect the podcast to go over 30 minutes yeah <laughs> hey we don't. we done had us a whole church
0: service
1: <laughs> oh really what time is it it is actually six thirty-one, and we've been podcasting for 75 minutes
0: Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's awesome.
1: I'm actually gonna, um, I'm actually gonna uh, let you go, so that, let uh, you go so that yeah. Uh, but I want to thank you once again for coming on to the podcast. I also gotta uh, let you go because, uh, you go because we this. got a prayer service happening at my church in just a little bit. We haven't opened up the oh, church um, come like completely, but every Sunday right now we are doing. Um, the prayer the gatherings. gatherings we, we, we got to wear these, we, got we got to wear, them, to wear the mask. I was like, gotta wear, em gotta wear them every day at work. And like, that's another thing that's that people, another tend people, like, people tend to complain. Like, to complain I, gotta like, like well, I gotta wear these at work. Why I gotta wear em when I go shopping I and stuff? Shopping and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but we want the coronavirus to go away, so we gotta follow
0: procedures.
1: Procedures. But um, Um, once again, thank you for coming on.
0: Thank you for having me, man. I really, I really do enjoy, uh, you know, doing this and enjoy, you know, speaking with different podcasters and and thank you for having me too, man. uh, As in for this interview, I really, again, from the bottom of my heart, man, I really do appreciate it. And, um, you know, I'll keep you guys in prayer too. And, uh, you know, I know you're going to be successful, my friend. Thank you.
1: But I wish you luck in the uh, 2024 presidential campaign.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much. And if I get there, man, I'm going to definitely give you a shout out, and I'll give the podcast a shout out, too. Yes,
1: sir. I'll probably be in the House of Representatives. Yeah, there we go. Let's take it. (laughs) Because I only got two years and five months before I can actually run for House of Representatives. And I've been, looking nah, at it since, nice. I've been looking at it since Are I was 18. Business, I was so mm-hmm. now I got to find out the qualifications on how to get on.
0: Do it up. Do it up. And you let me know, man. I got you back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, you have a great day out there. And enjoy the rest of your Sunday, my friend. All right. You too.
1: Bye. Bye. And that will bring us to the end of this week's episode of Words for the Wise. As always, you know, my name is Deshaun Williams. And once again, I want to thank Mr. Victor Caccato for coming on this week. And you know, if you don't know, now you know. I'm your host, Deshaun Williams. He is my guest, Mr. Victor Caccato. This is not goodbye, but this is until next time.